wait, hold up. We've done this before. Let's try something new. One, two, one, two, three, four. Welcome to Rage Against the Mainstream, your full spectrum source for all things music, insight, and opinion. Today's date is January 11th, 2021. As always, I'm Bill. I'm joined here with Steve. Yo. And reoccurring third guy, Michael. Happy New Year. Hello, reoccurring third guy. (laughs) (laughs) That was a quick witty. Reoccurring third guy. Reoccurring third guy. It's like one of those unlockable characters like Mortal Kombat. (laughs) Just the black question mark. You have to unlock him. (laughs) So, since the last time that you were here, Michael, have you encountered anything new or interesting? How was your Christmas? How was your New Year? I was great. I got um, Iron Man VR for PlayStation. Awesome. Dude, it's have you played it? No, but I got I got a PlayStation Five now. I somehow managed to beat the system with the bots, so that sounds super exciting. Uh, You're a 60 year old guy getting excited about playing Iron Man. We just had the conversation last week about our. uh, It's great. You're flying and you're. Doesn't he too have a? What kind of car you drive? He's got Um, a CRV, a man van. All right, he's got the man van. Yeah, Yeah, but he's got the bigger man van too. He's got a pilot. Oh, oh, okay. That's yeah. yeah. That's. We all drive man vans. We he's got a CRV. I got a CRV. You got a CRV. Oh yeah, the man van. <laughs> Actually, it goes in like generations too. Like yours, and then his comes after yours. I come, mine comes after his. Yeah, and then I have a friend that just got the 2020. <laughs> so it's like I'm just watching the perpetual growth of the man van. That's but so that funny. VR now, I saw like for Star Wars, I saw like all these cool like VR setups. Break it down. Like, how does it work? Because I'm very, I don't know how VR works. Like, do you just plug it into the system? Yeah, and there's, then... a, there's a separate box. Okay. That you plug into your existing system. Okay. And you plug the unit that goes on your head into that box. And that box plugs into <clears> the system. So yeah, it goes through that, that box. And then when you put the glasses on and have little headphones, you can either get a set of headphones or you can use little earphones there. The sound comes through there and... Literally everything you see. Everything you see is, is, is 360, world. and then you have the two controls. Now how do you walk? Because I see those videos where people like like jump, and they actually like jump, like do things and walk. You have to stay within the play zone. Okay. Um, There's a camera that picks up your movement. Yeah, it's a camera. Now, if you're walking in a forward direction, how do you continue to walk forward without really walking too far forward? Like if you're walking in place, it just walks for you. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. It takes you to the next spot. You use the spot, and you and you start walking towards it. And it takes you there, and then you click your, and it takes you over here. And then um, when you're flying, you're just flying. The, the, the everything's moving towards you. You're standing in place. Yeah. But you're flying. You're holding your things down like Iron Man, and then you're flying, and it's like you're just going faster and faster towards something, and you got to put the things out to stop. You know, it's it, that it's, sounds so awesome. It Yo, is. the first time he played it, no bullshit. I wish I would have got it on video. It looked like fucking Michael Jackson from from the Smooth Criminal video. Oh my like, god, where he was like leaning like, and stuff. <laughs> I can't believe I just had a sixty year old man school me on VR. Like that's <laughs> awesome. That goes to show you how crazy it's really. Been. It's it's a lot of fun. I'm, well, because my sister, she got this game. It's called Phasmophobia. It blew up from some people playing on Twitch. Basically, you're a paranormal hunter. Like you have to get mm-hmm. all this equipment and it's it's from a first person. You can only see the hands. It is the creepiest game I've ever played. The sound effects, this the dead silence when you're in a house and the creaking noises and when a ghost actually hunts you. I it's and your whole your whole thing is you gotta find like orbs, you gotta find if you can get fingerprints, figure out what kind of ghost it is, get camera vision of it. They have a VR version of it. So we've been playing it just on a computer with a mouse and a keyboard. Yeah. The VR version of it, from what it showed and from what you're telling me on like how VR works, yeah. I'd probably crap myself. And I'm all for <laughs> horror games. Like that's what I look for is trying to scare the shit out of myself. And I saw Oculus, I think it was, was the one that works. Yeah. It pairs up with that specific game. Facebook 
has the Oculus. The Oculus, yes, yeah, because yeah, that's the one specific. So obviously, there's something different then for the PlayStation. This one, is, yeah, this one is PlayStation. Made, it is PlayStation VR. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna have to probably look into that because I saw that Star Wars game and it looked pretty dope. Yeah, the, in the in the one scene that, that there was a ghost of the somebody flying around in front of you and you could see it and coming at you and coming from all different angles. It was, it, it, it's cool. Really, it's really cool. Check it out. It's really cool. That game you were playing, you're talking about the paranormal equipment in front of you. Yeah. I yeah, thought, you pick up like, it even has like a EV, e, e, ER reader, ED reader or something. Yeah. Like the lights I, blink to a certain level. I have all that stuff. Cause oh, I'm, you do? I'm a, my wife oh, and so I, yeah. my wife and I are amateur ghost hunters. So you have like sage for like smudging yeah, we, and all that stuff. We've been to all kinds of haunted okay. places. You would love this game. Yeah. Okay. You would cool. love this game. He's been to the hotel. What hotel? The Shining Hotel. Yeah, the, the Overlook. Am- what is not it? the Overlook. Hey, what's it called, though? We were, we were actually out to the Stanley. The Stanley. That's where it. he went to. Where he got the, where um, Stephen King got the idea for doing it in that haunted room at the Stanley. We were there. We actually flew out there to do a ghost. Oh, the, yeah. Okay. Which is you know awesome. in the middle of the. You have to. <laughs> so Steam is the thing that you can download games from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's where it is. Is Phasmophobia. You will love that game. My daughter will know how to. You get will one hundred percent if you're like into that because like I'm telling you, like I play a lot of horror games in my time from like Resident Evil to like Dead Space. This game just because the sound effects when you have a headset on and that's mm-hmm. all you can hear, like you're hearing everything else. As soon as you walk into a building, it just goes to this like dead white noise and you hear every little thing. And like when you have the reader going and you get to a certain room and it gets all the way to five, you know it's about to start hunting. And there's like eight different ghosts that like based on the clues you find, it narrows it in to tell you what ghost it is. And you have objectives like you have to go turn on the water. If it's dirty water, you know, a spirit is, in mm-hmm. the, you know, it's, oh, it's so good. Such a good game. Yeah, it was a good Christmas. So not only was I a Ghostbuster, but I was also Freddy Krueger. And then I got to be Iron Man as well. So you basically <laughs> had a Halloween in your Christmas. Yeah, I had a Halloween That's Christmas. Awesome. That's awesome. Oh, and I was a Cenobite. Oh, oh yeah. You still have the box. Yeah. Careful with that. <laughs> I'm going to say that every episode. So, <laughs> have you encountered anything new or interesting? Uh, I'm just going to say a TV show that I stumbled upon. Showtime, I did a free trial because I'm trying to get Shameless in while I can. Oh, yeah. I love love Shameless and the last season's out. It's not really living up to expectation, but it's a good watch. But there's a show called Your Honor. Okay. Brian Cranston is the main character. He plays a judge. The premise is his son accidentally kills a kid in a hit and run. The kid is actually the son of a real reputable mob boss in their town. Oh, okay. And Brian Cranston finds out he's a circuit judge for criminal courts and basically is trying to cover this up because he knows if this guy finds out, like he's going to basically kill his whole family. Um, and throughout the show, like they, they use a patsy, someone to take the fall for it through some weird premise, can't expose that. Then that family starts suffering as a result. Cause hmm. and I mean, it's just a very well-written show. Because um, Brian Cranston, I mean, from Breaking Bad, oh, yeah, I mean, he's just in good, general, good, he, he's good actor. very good in versatile roles other than like what I knew him for, which was Malcolm in the Middle. That yeah. was like his role. <laughs> Funny too. Great role in that. <clears throat> um, but yeah, it's called Your Honors on Showtime. I It's uh, through five, seven, like seven episodes now. Okay. Very good show, though. We'll have to check very that out. Um, obviously, with the recent passing of Leslie West, you start seeing more and more videos yes. of surfacing, you know, surfacing. As as it happens with every other musician that dies, you find the, the uncover these videos that never existed before, and I I'm part. Of, it's no surprise I'm a part of like a million Van Halen pages on Facebook, and um, there was a video that came up of Leslie West playing Mississippi Queen with Van Halen like circa like ninety two ninety mid nineties it said yeah. yeah no specific date yeah and. Uh, it's just awesome. Like, and it's one of the only times where you can hear another guitar player playing with Eddie Van Halen where it's like, okay, th- this fits. Yeah, like, this does. could work. It does. Yeah, the solos he plays over. Oh, are yeah, like dude, it's amazing. Yeah. I mean, because uh, obviously there's certain songs where you hear Sammy Hagar playing guitar and like it works. But then you hear like Leslie West or you hear like, you know, when he was playing like with Brian May and shit. It's like, this really works. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Brian May is one of those guitarists that really doesn't get enough attention he, yeah well it's because he got overshadowed with the whole freddie mercury oh, course, thing yeah you yeah, know very true uh, brian may's definitely an underrated guitar player no one ever talks about him. i love the meme where it says this is the best tagline you can get they were interviewing brian may for something and they put up his name with his credentials yeah and it said it, it said rock hero and astrophysicist 
this guy has a degree in astrophysics. <laughs> He's an astrophysicist. What? Yeah. So it's like, imagine that title. Like, who are you? What do you do for a living? Well, I'm a rock hero. I was in Queen, and I'm an astrophysicist. <laughs> I could invent a flux capacitor. Call me this doc- Dr. Brian May. Yeah, right? <laughs> that's Dr. May to you. <laughs> so, Brian. That's Dr. May. That's awesome. <laughs> that's funny. But, um, yeah, so 2021, as we explained in our, la- our episode last week, 2020, we're going to try to completely skip over yes. and not mention it all if we don't have to. And, uh, yeah. So let's ring in the new year right, I guess. Other than this is kind of a continued episode from a previous episode when we get into the later discussion. Yeah, this is the only thing that's going to be a continuation. We might have some bits that may be relevant to past year, but we yeah. will continue to move forward. Exactly. Better, <laughs> faster, stronger. On this day in music history. On this day in music history, January 11th, 1992, Nirvana's Nevermind uh, hits number one in America, unseating Michael Jackson's Dangerous. It's funny because we talked about that last week because of the lack of, you know, manufacturing through Geffen. They weren't able to break through until that following Christmas year. And then, well, that that season just came out in September. So it was like that Christmas leading into the following year. Yeah. That's when Nevermind finally took hold. Like it took months for it to really catch on. And once it did, man, that that was like wildfire. That album to this day is always going to be looked at as like something that really put a lot of impact on music. Mm -hmm. And Michael Jackson's Dangerous. I mean, to me personally, I can't really seat that above off the wall thriller, you know, bad. bad. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I mean, to throw off Michael Jackson as that band, I mean, Nirvana obviously had never charted at that point and they come out with this album and people were probably like, what the hell? Yeah, you exactly. Know? I think that's awesome. I'm guessing probably within a couple hours of each other, uh, Nirvana make their first appearance on Saturday night live. They leave a mark after performing their hit smells like teen spirit. They play territorial pissings. For their second song. Then, trash their instruments and anything else they can find on stage. In typical Nirvana fashion. Yep. Yes. This would not be the first nor last time gear would be destroyed. Not even close. <laughs> <laughs> but could you imagine that? Like, you're debuting on Saturday Night Live the same day you knock Michael Jackson off the charts. And that's how you mm-hmm. act. It's awesome. Yeah, and that's what was destroy needed. Destroy all your shit. That was, and that's the thing about Nirvana because they were like in that tail end before record companies really started to limit like creative control from the artists themselves, and that was a big thing that they struggled with, obviously going forward and releasing, you know, oh, yeah. Utero and that whole creative control. I mean, the whole first batch of recordings that they did had to basically be tossed because they felt like it wasn't. You know, good they said Steve Albini's mixing was just like, this isn't going to be good, which is a shame. Idiots. 1998, Nike debuts its I Can commercial, introducing the British band The Verve to a wide American audience with the song Bittersweet Symphony. We all know that song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the song becomes the band's only hit in the States, which is bittersweet because they had to sign away royalties to the song to get the publishing rights to the string sample. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> God, that's Oh, man, sad. I saw what they did there again with Bittersweet. Yeah, you get it? <laughs> man, they're really wow. subtle. Those, uh, yeah, those zingers are really... How the doors broke on through. <laughs> that uh, sucks. That is really bittersweet. Just yeah. for one sample in the song. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's crazy. So, last thing here in music history is, in 2016, in the day after David Bowie's passing, his music videos on Vivo are viewed 51 million times, shattering the previous record held by Adele after she released Hello. Most of the views are for Bowie's last two videos, Larazus. Lazarus. 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 Love Razz. <laughs> a little dyslexic in there. Yeah. You got it. I got hit with a twisted T earlier. <laughs> and Black Star, which uh which portend his death. Um see this is what this is one of those things when we talked about, especially last episode with you know the artists we lost and stuff. Sometimes it is good in the sense of like the access now people will look for and like trying to search this artist and yeah. especially after Van Halen. Like Van Halen blew up. 
yeah. again. You know, and David Knocked Bowie even charts, so. Son. Yeah, David Bowie even so. I think it's kind of important from time to time because you saw that whole thing with, um, you know, obviously when Post Malone collaborated with Ozzy Osbourne, people yeah. were like, oh, it's good. You that, mean when you found Ozzy? That's what I'm saying. It's good that Post <laughs> has given this old man an opportunity to like, and they're like, and I'm like, Ugh. but then it, what happened is, is then people are able to do their research. Like the person yeah. speaks for themselves. Now, David Bowie, to me, has always been a greatest hits artist. I'm not a huge album guy. Like Ziggy Stardust is great. Diamond yeah. Dogs is great. But overall, you know, I've never been a giant dude. That's what I'm saying. Fan. His albums front to back are not as digestible as I would say for like some other artists. Um, but it's cool when you see stuff like that, it's people still listen. And I think yeah, that's really absolutely. important that a lot of these artists don't just disappear. David Bowie's to me is one of the greatest artists of all time. He managed to reinvent himself so many different times as the times changed. He changed along with the times and, yeah. and became yeah. popular again. Then he kind of faded away. Then he remade himself again, becomes popular again during the 80s with the suit look. Yeah. He was one of the original glam rockers. Oh, yeah, 100%. And yeah. Him and Alice yeah. Cooper. Yeah. Yep. He, he was so pioneering in some of the things that he did. That's why. That's the way I feel about him. That's I, what I, I give I've a lot of credit to, yeah, is because how you just put it in perspective especially is not a lot of artists can adapt, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. to change their sound yeah. and it be successful. I think that was like super important because you're right. There's so many different hits um, from David Bowie. And if you listen to them, you can like hear the total differences in his sound. And he was still able to Well, how many other artists could uh, collaborate with Trent Reznor? Yeah. Yeah, very true. Yeah, he goes all the way back to to um Space Odyssey with with the the Melot one of the first again, one of the first artists using the Mellotron. Yeah. Yeah. Like Rick Wakeman. He was one of the first ones to use the stylophone also. And yeah, it's it's the way he went through and he he created the the, the character of Ziggy Stardust. Yeah. Which is kind of original, this rock and roll the concept. Char- yeah. His character and following that through to the stage show and just over and over again. And it, it's pretty amazing. amazing yeah, concept career. albums yeah. was not really a thing until no. that point. And that yeah. was one of those like very first. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. He created yeah. these characters and that's, that's, and uh, always had great music. He was a, a great songwriter. I, I think the thing with me with Bowie is his voice. I can never get past very, his voice. Yeah, I it's enjoy English, it. very English. Yeah, yeah, I enjoy it. And then that's the thing. There's a lot of artists. Like, I know people that hate Maynard James Keenan's voice, and that's really what makes that band for me at the end of the yeah, day. Yeah, I don't know. There's just something about his voice that just, I don't know. Not, not saying that it necessarily turns me off from listening to, you know, listening to him, but I don't know. I come from a different school. Mm-hmm. Like Ozzy and David Lee Roth, in my opinion, are like the greatest vocalists ever. I mean, I wouldn't go that far, but they're, they're good. <laughs> yeah, I get what you get. <laughs> Definitely not Dave. So, the last time you were here, Michael, we yeah. dispelled, or I don't, I don't really know if dispelled is the right word, but we kind of shed some light on Rolling Stone magazine. And we pretty much let everyone know our opinions on them. And uh, if you listen to the show and you listen to the last episode that Michael was on, you know now that Rolling Stone is run by a bunch of uh, uneducated, uncultured hipsters. Elites. Yeah. Music elites, you call them. Now, during that topic, Michael, you had brought up the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Now... It's no secret that we hang out outside of the podcast. Like, you know, we just don't converge in this room and then this is the only time we see each other. Me and Michael were talking about Rolling Stone magazine and he brought up, he said, there's got to be some, there has to be a link between Rolling Stone and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Turns out they were started by the same people. Um, Rolling Stone, if I remember this correctly, because I'm not going to read off Wikipedia. I'm trying I'm trying to exercise my brain. Rolling Stone magazine was bought by uh Penske Media Corporation. So Penske owns 
I forget. They own like a shit ton of companies. Yeah. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is owned by Atlantic Records, which is a subsidiary of Warner Music Group, which is a subsidiary of Time Warner. Yes. <laughs> Who owns Viacom and pretty much everything else. Yeah. They're one so, of those companies, if you boiled everything down, you can say that everything is owned by like sense companies in the entire yes, world. Exactly. Yeah. Everything we see in here. There's like, yeah, five or six, six five companies, or six companies <laughs> that literally own everything. Disney, Viacom. Everything. They, they, yeah. they control what we see in here. It's exactly. So, actually, this is something I just came up with like right now, right on the spot. I now know why MTV sucks and VH1 sucks because of Time Warner. So, yeah, I think no, really no. Time Warner is the real enemy of the music industry. Wouldn't surprise me to make that a factual statement. It's, you know, can we come to the general consensus of that? Yeah, I can. I, I want to get this shit on tape. Yeah, yeah. no, because this is the sad <laughs> thing about it. When we talk about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, especially, yeah, there's always this pedestal that when an artist gets elected into it, like it, it gets treated as it's like a sports Hall of Fame. Like sports Hall of Fame situations, like the players that are getting inducted in there have a steady track record of why they're in there. Yes. Like you can credit exactly. each artist and the order that they get inducted is very important as well for eligibility standards. The guys that didn't make it on the first ballot, you know, waited a few years, but eventually they get in there. Yeah. You see some artists that I don't deny that they should be in a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but when they get inducted, how they get inducted and who wasn't inducted yet. Yes. That's what's really like the triggering effect to like, what the fuck is this? Yep. You know? And you know, it kind of makes sense too, because it seems like the people that vote for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame are also the same ones that vote for the hundred grade guitar players. Guitar players, that's obviously (laughs) the most controversial aspect of any magazine anytime I see it come out, because of course, I have the desire to look at it, whether it be on Google or in hard copy. And every time I've I've, it's like when people, and I always, I can attribute it back to sports, because you can make a list of the top whatever players, right? Mm-hmm. But that's usually narrowed down by defense, offense, running backs. You know, you have a specific core of how you can narrow these top players. Yeah. For rock and roll magazines, when you narrow in something like top 100 guitars, all I'm looking at is talent. That's what comes to my head. There's exactly. no explanation of how they're rating these people. I think... Talent alone, isolated talent, not the band that they were in, not the music that they made, but just what they were a part of and how talented they specifically were is what should be the, unless you have a huge description in there, like this is how we rated these people. Exactly, which they don't. Yeah. But to bring Michael into this conversation, you're the only one of us three that's actually been to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Mm -hmm. Can you give our listeners not like a, you know, like a complete rundown but if they were to expect to go, what would they be seeing? Well, the the first thing is, I was I was going expecting to see something grander than what it was. Okay, so that it was kind of a, a letdown to me. But as I look back on it, I try to realize what they're trying to do. You know, we talk about political. We talk about um, the media versus the fans. There's always been yeah. that media versus the fans. Mm-hmm. What the fans think is great and what the media thinks is great. And it always clashes. And and the musical artists are always fighting the media. And there's always this this, this clash. When you go to Rock and Roll Hall, Hall of Fame, first of all, I think they put it in the wrong place. In <laughs> Cleveland on the waterfront. It's not a very pretty place, but <laughs> it's a beautiful building. It's it's like a, a half pyramid. It's got seven floors. It's all open inside. It's when you say Hall of Fame, it's more like a museum. Yeah. Okay. It's more like a museum. If you want to see a bunch of rock and roll mer- memorabilia, go to Hard Rock Cafe. Go to some of the big hard rock cafes. You'll see all the guitars on the walls. This Clarence Clemens saxophones, Elvis's guitars, Elvis's Cadillac. You'll see um, John Bonham's drum set. You'll see all these things. Does it when cost you, money to what, go there? Yeah, hard rock. No, the rock and roll whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Is it like it's expensive? See, like that's why I wanted to bring that up because you're bringing up Hard Rock Cafe. 
you can go in there for free. Yeah, a restaurant, yeah. like right. basically, you can literally walk in. You don't even need to order yeah. food. You could probably just I know, walk that's what in. I'm saying. But but the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is more like a museum. Yeah, it's showing you the history of rock and roll all the way back to the black blues. Yeah, southern blues and the original blues uh, black guitar players. And as you walk through it. There's, I think there's three different rooms that that are showing movies. This movie loop, um, and explaining the history, and and so it's more like a museum. It, it takes you through the different history of it, um, and it goes deep into the history. And then you go to Elvis, the Elvis area, and there's these permanent exhibits that take you through the history. That's cool. Of, of rock and roll. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, they have the actual recording studio. They took the whole thing, the board, everything, the room, everything from, I, I do believe it's where Motown, where they did, and it's in there, the actual recording studio. Um, and they, like a museum, they rotate exhibits. Okay. Okay. So when you walk in, um, you, you're going to see the standard things that are always going to be there, but then they rotate other things. I guess they give that more appeal, so you visit it more than once. Yes, you know because yeah. you know just. I mean, paying like you, I think Hard Rock Cafe is one of the like, best examples to bring up because of it is free, and you're gonna see some stuff. And they and rotate what is their the, stock and items too. Yeah, and yeah. the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, the way it was to me as a kid was like the epitome of understanding legend. You know, and as I got older and saw more and more bands that I was very familiar with, especially the ones that didn't get inducted, then I started to realize that it is. It's a media hype. That's yeah. really what it does. Yeah. And now the way you're describing this, I mean, the fact that they rotate exhibits. It's like a regular museum. If yeah. you're down the Philadelphia Museum of Art, they're going to have the Egypt. The Viking exhibit this day. Yeah, this this, this, this year know, we're Star showing. Star Wars this day. Yeah, this yeah. year we're showing, you know, Van Gogh's. And the next year we're going to show... Egypt, yeah, and next, and they have, and it's the same kind of thing. They bring out and they rotate, yeah. So, um, if if I got, we were to go in there, we we're going to look for a bunch of Genesis stuff, because uh, previous time where the singer had been there, there was a whole display where Peter Gabriel, because he was getting inducted that year, okay, mm. that display was gone, and it was replaced by a display of somebody else, and the only thing we found from Genesis was one um, guitar. Hanging. <laughs> that was it. Of oh, the Genesis, here's the the one Rickenbacker guitar. I'm like, oh my God, that's it. I had to go to but, Cleveland. But it's... it's <laughs> so I drove all the way to Cleveland. <laughs> so if you go in it thinking, I'm going to go see a bunch of cool stuff, a memorabilia, memorabilia rock memory, it's not really what you're going to see. You're going to see more of the history of how it started with the blues and when it got up to Elvis, got to that point, and then got into the Beatles the British invasion, and then more in the modern day pop, uh, hip hop, all that kind of stuff. So basically, you're ba- you're you're kind of planning that trip around whatever exhibit is going to be happening yeah, at that exactly. period, just like a museum. Like I think, mm-hmm. I don't know if it was you or somebody I know. I think it was somebody I know, not you, but like the Franklin Institute did a Marvel exhibit. Oh, I wanted to go to that. Yeah, you remember yeah. when they did that, right? Mm-hmm. Then they did the other one that you went to, the rock exhibit or whatever. Yeah, I that thought. was in Manhattan. Manhattan, you went to that one. That yep. was... Uh, Metropolitan Mont- Museum Metropolitan, yeah. So, like, that's it. I mean, I go to those specific places. I'll pay the money yeah. only if the exhibit is enticing. Oh, it was very enticing going up there. Yeah, and that's what's crazy about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because you think, like I said, that's supposed to be, like, the mecca of what I expect to experience in terms of if I want to go and see some visual representation of like memorabilia and art from like the history of rock and roll. Yeah. And, and you may have to take a look at advance on what's being featured. Yeah, that's like when we were there on the exhibit. It just happened to be, we were playing there and that's why we were there. We were, we were playing at a, a club around the corner and you missed the Genesis exhibit. Right. And, and then we, we got stuck with the <laughs> guitar. <laughs> so but fucked up. The, the thing that we it was ironic that we saw there, it was a tribute to the Rolling Stone magazine. Oh, of course, <laughs> of course it was, and it had a representation of of their first office. Uh, that's and as, so it, funny. It's, and there's seven stories to the place. Yeah, but it's all you can see all seven stories. These escalators going up in this side of this pyramid. So it's a really cool building. 
But I think they could have done a better job and made more space. Yeah, it didn't like blow you away. No. Yeah. Yes. If they made it bigger, this design they used kind of didn't make good use of space. If they made it a larger building and they could have fit more and had more on display at the same time and not have to rotate as much. Yeah. Mm. But, you know, you walk in and, and here's who we're inducting this year. Uh, on, I think you go up to the first floor and there's uh, a whole area we're inducting these bands and there's stuff from each of those bands. And um, and then you start going through the history of, of rock and roll. Yeah, but, I thought that, <clears throat> you know, that would be a cool idea if they could space it out even by like decade and each room is like its yeah. own exhibit dedicated to era, genre. Like you could do so much with that. And the amount of money they make, there's no excuse of why you couldn't well, make that to, something way more there? attractive. I want to say like thirty, thirty-five dollars. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Even just with those proceeds, let alone everything else that they're a part of, mm-hmm. I mean, they very easily could do the fans justice. Yeah. However, I have a quote here from respected Ozzy Osbourne on his take on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and he actually, during an induction opportunity, wrote a letter, among few others as well. But his his letter kind of hit home and saying, "Just take our name off the list, save the ink." Forget about us. The nomination is meaningless because it's not voted on by the fans. Right. It's voted on by the supposed elite for the industry and the media who've never bought an album or concert ticket in their lives. So their vote is irrelevant to me. Let's face it. Black Sabbath has never been media darlings. We're a people's band and that suits us just fine. Yep. And I think that's the perfect idea yep, of it because these people it. aren't out there like... I mean, you talk, we talked about before, like you back in the day, ticket sales, having to drive to these places, you know, be there on time, yep. camping out, camping like, out the all the shit to you tickets. had to go for just to get a yeah. ticket. Now it's more different in terms of how easy it is to get a ticket if it doesn't sell out. But the prices that I spend, that you spend, that you yep. spend, all, all of us spend now just to go have an hour or two with some of our favorite musicians, yep. whether it even be from fucking 400 yards away, like out there in the rain and like all the shit that you go through to support these bands. And we don't even have a say in the matter of the opportunity to vote. Like, uh, you know, there's been major gripes with everything that they've done in bands that they have, you know, inducted well after they should have been. And then bands that they bring in way before they're supposed to, like Nirvana was inducted like years before they were supposed to. Well, the the one I mentioned earlier, like Green Day, yet, Def Leppard, Deep Purple, Ronnie James Dio, all still... Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what I'm saying. There should be an understanding of period. Because even on paper, Def Leppard, Deep Purple, and Ronnie James Dio did a lot more for music than Green Day. <laughs> I mean, it's not even... No, come on. Like, and it's also the marketing thing. <laughs> yeah. The first floor, half, and I'm not lying, half of the first floor is the gift shop. Oh, <laughs> yeah, oh. That, that's disgusting. <laughs> But it just goes on forever. I got to ask you, though, Michael, did you buy something? And a t-shirt. And <laughs> you a have mug. to. That's what I'm saying. And you have key, to. They got a, a keychain, a mug, a, a t-shirt. And, yeah. yeah, yeah like, listen, you already drove so out here. Smart. That's like when they say, like, if you go into a, like a, like a convenience store, like a Wawa, a pack of cigarettes is never the price of a pack of cigarettes because you get stuck staying in that line for a little bit. Oh, Snickers came out with a new candy bar. Let me just grab that. Oh, I could use a pack of gum. Like, that's yeah. what happens. That's why they do this shit. Yeah, when you go up to the seventh floor and you come down the escalator. You feel the obligation. It lets you off right into the right gift Right there. It's <laughs> like Hershey Park when you used to go through a little tour and yeah. you're in a little chocolate factory. And they got like, I got to buy this Hershey Kiss mug for no fucking reason other than to hang it on a wall and collect dust. It's and like it when you get off a roller coaster and then you go right stuff. to the picture station. I got to buy my picture now. <laughs> it's tough. And it's just the, the gift shop. It's cool stuff. It's really cool stuff. And it's just lining the walls. You can get anything you want. And um, so it's commercialized. And it's the media versus the fans. Uh, the fans probably have a different idea of what they should be seeing. Yep. But the media just decides what's on display and what, yeah. how they're going to make the most money. And But it's still a cool place to go. It really is. It's a yeah, cool and place that, to go. And it's one of those things, like, I would definitely... The way I see it is the best way you explained it in that you're waiting for the right exhibit to really entice you to yeah. get out there. Secondly, it's one of those if I'm in the area thing. I yeah. never foresee, unless the Eagles are playing the Browns, 
<laughs> in a very important away game, and I just have the you know money to spend, and I want like I'm going to go to Cleveland <laughs> to go see the Browns and the Eagles play. I guess while I'm out here, you know, it's right next to the stadium. That's what I'm saying. So I guess it's <laughs> a perfect s- setup. It's, it's 100 yards. <laughs> yeah, so it's a perfect setup. While I'm watching these two shitty football teams play, sadly the Eagles are worse nowadays. Um, <laughs> I guess I'll stop at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Why not? For thirty-five dollars, I'd rather just cross the Walt Whitman. Yeah, go over to the Hard Rock Cafe or the Museum of Modern Art or something. No, I'd rather just go to the Hard Rock in Philly yeah. and eat a cheeseburger next to Eddie Van Halen's tour just, guitar. Yeah, exactly. Or around <laughs> the wall from Jerry Cantrell's unplugged guitar. But like I said, with the terms of marketing, his ticket was not thirty-five dollars because he stopped at the gift shop. Oh yeah, so well, therefore, he got a fifty-dollar T-shirt. Oh yeah, oh yeah. He spent, <laughs> I, I, I probably spent one hundred and twenty dollars. Does it say Cleveland, Ohio on it? Anywhere? Because you know how the hard rock shirts will say like Orlando, Florida. Yeah, no, no, no. Oh, thank just, God. It was, it was just rock and roll. Rock roll off. Okay, it doesn't say yeah, like I, a small print. I got I, I got to get a oh, I got to get a keychain for my wife. Of I got to get one for my daughter. I got to get a magnet for my sister. I got to get... get, Yeah. (laughs) That's like when you go on a beach trip, you complain about how they charge money to go on the beaches, but then you find that one beach that's free to... But then you spend that much more on fucking souvenirs on your way out. Like, man, Christmas isn't for another few months, but they got a a keyboard one. I would get like like one of those ships in a bottle when I would leave. What the fuck am I going to do with that when I'm older? I don't even know where they are. That's great. I really, you know, kind of just to sum with this up, Michael, you're like giving the perfect example. This the media grab on the whole thing, the hype, the the top 100 guitarists, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, all these different things, and then a lot of that will spread that influence. Yeah, you know what I mean. Whether it's subtle or not, people then use that as a comparison to say something's better than the next based on the pedestal that Rolling Stone magazine especially is on. Yep. Secondly, with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And look at the induction ceremonies. They have those big induction ceremonies, the Madison Square Garden. Yeah. yeah. And look who's in the audience. It's not the fans. There's no fans. It's, 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 it's all suits. It's all celebrities. Yeah. It's all celebrities who probably don't even know half the music and, of the band. And honestly, there. I'm, not, I'm not tapping ourselves on the back, but... The fans are the blood, sweat, and tears of being able to get an artist where it's at. How many yes, bands, truth. just like the stock market with all those like tech companies that blew up and died. Think about how many artists that just because they didn't have the right following didn't yeah. make it. Like how many cult bands out there became so influential and successful and memorable just due to this following of the replacements. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Nirvana. Nirvana. Nirvana's not where they're at if it's not for those fucking down and out fans that are there every goddamn yeah. show spreading you know, that influence. Even to a certain extent, the Misfits, too. Absolutely. Oh, 100%. They you sold know? out Madison Square Garden. They've never had a fucking radio hit. They've never had a fucking billboard chart song. That's no. all on the fans. Yeah, exactly. Well, this also kind of brings up something else I want to touch base on. We've all watched Dick Clark's Rockin' New Year's Eve this year. Yes. And there is one thing that Shouldn't have surprised me, but it did. The lack of rock artists, of course, in New Year's Eve. Yeah. Now, along with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and Rolling Stone being the media grab thing, I feel like rock and roll is like a dying art form, and I feel like it's slowly going away because it's it's like me and you had talked about before. Yeah. That it's more of an attitude thing and more of like a uh, lifestyle. Like, yeah, lifestyle than it is of actual music. I would like to know, because when we brought up Greta Van Fleet earlier and we talked about like publishing rights and the exposure that they get through commercial and things like that, my curiosity is there's only so many new modern rock bands. Yes. Most of them, though, have some sort of like public entity like attached them in terms like what I said commercials mm-hmm. so I'm wondering how many rock bands just aren't succeeding because they're not conforming to the idea when they have the opportunity to sign a record deal or do anything to move forward and become a limelight band yeah that they don't conform to that therefore they're snubbed out exactly you know because there are a lot of bands that you can go and research because I mean getting on Apple Music and Spotify these days is a lot easier which is great because oh yeah. then the eligibility to find those underground acts is awesome yep mm-hmm. um, and that's what happened with us with that, with the original progressive rock band that I was in, um, our music was out there. I mean, it was very complicated, and it was, but it still had a hook in it. But it was really cool, and we got to get the, on these different, yeah, the streaming platforms, and people 
people who like progressive rock found it. And, and that's what and it takes. Listen to it, yeah. download yeah. it. And, you know. The sad know, thing is, though, if you don't sell your soul, like, you're not getting anywhere yeah. you want to be nowadays. But yeah, that, but even but, with that, that doesn't even mean anything anymore. Look at all the artists that are saying. out now. It's very sad. ABC, I mean, New Year's Rock and Eve, ABC, that's Disney and. Disney controls going to get who yeah. they want to That's true. get yeah. the most people to watch. Of course, and music is music has become a consumable. Yes, it's it's yes. more consumerism than anything else. It's it's for today's. I don't want to say millennials, maybe after millennials, Gen but Z, Gen Z. Yeah, it, it's you know what's next. Well, you got the think- what's next generation. It's like okay, here's a new song. Oh, by these people, cool. Three weeks later, it's like, uh, okay, what's next? Yeah, yeah. What, what's you it's all the you term of the genre change throughout the eras because again, when we talk about like pop music, like pop mm-hmm. music for a period of time brought this up when you were on the show it was like Led Zeppelin was pop music. Yeah. You know that wasn't mm-hmm. just considered like all right, that's a rock and roll. That was pop because it was popular at the time. So you get to see it now. The trends and waves that we're going through in terms, like you said, it's just. Yeah. Whatever's comfort food at that point in time. What's, whatever's and it's the media pushing to the masses. It. Yes. Yes. And that's the what I'm saying. Pushing it. That's why with and Rolling what's Stone, next? What's yep. next? Yeah. It's, it's consumable. Yeah. It becomes yeah. consumable. And the, the, the bands that have been around forever and have the loyal followings will continue to have those followings. Yep. But nowadays you can't break into that because yeah. of the consumable attitude. If you're not going to fit the mold. Right. Yeah. The media exactly. has. Yep. The media has this formula and if you want to make money and be a star you got to do this and, well it's also and everything make the money in and terms we'll yeah. move on to the next and yeah when you talk about like advertising when you see movies and you see you know ads and everything else where it's like this is what beautiful looks like like mm-hmm. a girl come on she'll yep. be skinny she'll be like blonde hair perfect teeth you know big mm-hmm. lips and that like and every girl has the image and you constantly perpetuate that trend and that vision where that's yep. becoming the normal that's what people are striving for because the media projects that onto you now music has done the same thing they've shown what's popular they see what's selling and people either do two things they're going to try and break through in their own regard most likely suffer because there's a lot of bands that have come out that just never like hit that peak because they just don't fit that mold but like you said if there's a big enough following you can't stop it like these bands will still sell out shows they will get big enough will they get deals to be able to play madison square garden or anything like that. Who knows? Yeah. But also, again, that's the media. Well, in a sense, you know, everyone keeps saying about the social media thing. And, you know, the social media is going to make everything easier. It's more accessible now than, than it ever was. Well, it's made it. Yeah. It's made it easier to get your shit out there. But it has not made it has not made it easier for people to get on board or to actually bring people. It's watered down the effects. I mean, like even to the extent of this podcast. We have, like, no following on fucking Facebook yeah. at all because we refuse to put money into it. I know. Like, I also, like, I just feel like there's some form of, like, an algorithm or, you know, I don't want to get, like, too conspiracy theorist about no, no, there it, is. but there's an algorithm right. that, that they don't want people to hear this kind of shit. Like, let's force feed them this fucking Greta Van Fleet bullshit because they're going to eat this up, but let's not show them Red Fang. Yeah. You know, let's not show them green lung, but let's fucking put the strokes on. Because we already have Greta Van Fleet in our pocket, and therefore we can capitalize off the opportunity to create more marketing and and create a bigger fan base. With Google and Facebook, they control what you see and and hear. You could be the greatest band in the world, but if you try to type the band, you know, greatest band in the world in the Google search, you won't come up because of their... The Beatles are going to come up. Yeah. (laughs) Or or what's what's the best new band? Even if you are, Google can make it so that your name won't come up. Yeah, exactly. They don't want it to. Or it'll come up far down the line. It's And it's all the media. It's all, they're controlling what you see in here. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it just comes down to basically what we were saying earlier with the whole like Rock and Roll Hall of Fame basically being owned by Time Warner. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, Penske Media Corp owning uh, Rolling Stone Magazine. These giant corporations have just made it to the point where we're just going to consume anything because... We're going to tell you what you're you're going to consume. We're going to force it down your throat, whether yeah. you like it or not. When's the last time a, a top ten song had a guitar solo in it? Psh, shit. Oh yeah. Well, exactly. You know, I mean, yeah. The only, the only, I mean, I hate to say it, but the only music is like modern country. 
is like real music. Yeah, it's but real even, drums, but real bass, that's real getting, guitar. That's even getting diluted to an yeah, extent nowadays. I mean, we, we were watching that one game. Yeah, it's got mixed in with other stuff. But, yeah. But you look at some of the, the big country stars, country has taken a turn more towards rock. Yeah. Because there's guitar solos and there's yep. drums and there's bass. And, and it's like, whoa, this is like a rock song. The, <laughs> the lines are slowly starting to get like blurred now. Yeah. Well, you also brought up too when you talked about like if you Google search the greatest band of all time, they're the algorithms that are. Did built you just in. do it? No, oh. <clears throat> but I was trying to look up the documentary. I watched. There's a documentary I highly recommend. It. It's called The Social Dilemma. Okay. They basically break down how these algorithms and everything works in terms of why you see what you see on your mm-hmm. Instagram, on your Facebook. Um, basically, they create an avatar of you based on what you search, what you like, what you talk about, who you interact with. They can even go as far as like, for instance, if there's somebody that you've been thinking about, like you miss and you don't want to talk to, and this actually recently happened to me, which was fucking weird, you'll start seeing that person pop up like so-and-so like this or you know, so-and-so posted this. Like They do that stuff to influence uh-huh. you to make decisions. The other thing that they talked about, which I found very interesting because it was just around election time, depending on where you are geographically, your Google search will look different. So if you're looking up like global warming, for instance, in a liberal city, everything's going to be global warming is real. Like we need to help, blah, 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 blah. If you look it up in a very conservative town where people are more against it, it'll say global warming is a hoax, da, 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 da. Like depending really? on where you're, same search, same wording, same, you know, site and interface, whatever you're using, different results. Hmm. It's, like when you, it's like on Amazon. If you log in as a woman yeah. and you log in as a man, oh, you're, yeah. you're going to get two different prices. Yeah. Yep. I've seen that. Oh, yeah. I've seen that. And it's crazy. I get to the point where because my search history is so dynamic, especially music. Like, I don't use Spotify, but if they try to do that end of year wrap up and give me, they would have no fucking clue what to do because it's just, it's so (laughs) random in terms that it's almost like I try to like step on my own paper trail as I do shit. And it's not even intentional. You know, like I go from searching like, you know, bloody Jason Voorhees to like nice stuffed animal for, you know, cute puppies. Yeah. You know, like it's just, I, it's just amazing though, how these things work. And with music, especially what you're seeing and what you're hearing ultimately influences you. Yeah. I mean, we talked about you and Van Halen, like how that really put a cap, like where you were headed personality wise in terms of music, yeah. what you liked, what you didn't like. Like a lot of things, like will change that perspective. Yeah, I mean, it's just like I mean, Dick Clark's Rock and Eve was like the best example in most recent. And like I said, what what you know what pisses me off is Foo Fighters put out a new song. I mean, you know, granted, you take Foo Fighters or leave them, it doesn't matter to me. There's still a mainstream rock act that put out new music. Even Greta Van Fleet put out new music. I know. They didn't have them guys on the fucking New Year's Eve, but instead we got Megan the Stallion, who just got done putting out one of the most vile fucking songs of all time. Of course. That hit number one. And how does a song like that hit number one? But, you know, anything off the last Foo Fighters album didn't even fucking make it into anywhere in the charts. But not even that. Like, we're talking... On a much larger scale, like a mainstream rock song, an actual rock song, hasn't really hit the Billboard charts in fucking yeah. years. And you you can't even count Foo Fighters. I couldn't even tell you the last modern, iconic guitar solo. Like, you brought that up yeah. as well. The last, Anytime yeah. you hear a guitar solo, it's a song from anywhere from, like, mid-90s yeah. backwards. Yeah, you know, you'll hear like "Stairway to Heaven." You'll hear like the chain. I'm, you'll hear try, all those I'm trying to that's think what I'm of like, like a what's the solo. most modern, iconic guitar solo that you've heard that could be Guns N' Roses was like a, Guns N' Roses. There was a, that was mid That's what I'm saying. Mid, you bring Appetite for Destruction in anything uh, like that. You bring even Billy. November Rain's one of the most iconic solos of all time. That was on Use Your Illusion. But what year was that? Ninety. When have you heard anything from 2000 on? Even Nirvana didn't have very many guitar solos. No. No. But I'm saying even just riffs in general. Like you could play a certain Oh, there has been like a legitimate riff. That's what I'm saying. There hasn't been anything. Metallica hasn't even put out a legitimate riff since the 90s. I couldn't tell you. Yeah, I couldn't. Like besides the Black Album, what riffs? I think Load is the last, like um, not Load, Reload, um, 
fuel. Fuel. That's like the last. That's a cool riff. Yeah, I'll give them that one. That's literally the last one that they could use. As I mean, a commercial or something. maybe like Avenged Sevenfold, but that that shit's kind of butt rock. They're anyway. dying anyway. That's a very. If you want to talk about it, I don't listen to the radio that often, but that's still like their own following. Oh, yeah. How many new Avenged Sevenfold fans are coming out? Most of them are our age that's been listening to them since the late 90s and everybody else coming after them is, yeah. you know, around our age anyway. But then all the here's another thing too. Kids. They keep like all this like decent shit out of the limelight, but then they got bands like Five Finger Death Punch. Killing it. That are like the fucking biggest shit ever. Killing it. Like the biggest fucking heavy bands that have ever come on the face of the earth. Yeah. Like how? Like I don't understand. Like, please explain to me what this algorithm is. It's the media pushing it because they know that people will eat it up if they keep pushing it at them. Yeah. While the other stuff is, it's, it's too much. They, it's just stupid. Yeah. There's always a very strong. There's always like a stranglehold on genres during a certain time. Like whatever era you mm-hmm. lived in, there was always a specific genre. Like the whole disco era. Think about that. Yeah. And then think how quickly the media crippled that by new bands emerging but that's what it takes it's like yeah know, there's strength in numbers it depends on wherever music's headed but this time it's so hard because like you said with social media soundcloud yeah. the way mm-hmm. you can get exposure out there it waters down the effects of any artist that tries to emerge unless they have that financial backing unless yes. they have those media connections and like the elitist yep. you know suits you want to call them which is the best way to say it like unless you have some connections like you're going to stay in that middling strong support however you want to see it for your own self you're never going to make it to that yeah you know i'm played on the radio fucking five times a day that's when you see that most of these bands that um play the smaller clubs well used to before the pandemic they were all the the alternative the, the rock bands the alternative rock bands they used to tour and play all the small places in philadelphia that yeah that Erica used to go see and, and, and Nicole used to go see. Yep. Um, really good bands, but they never made it big because yeah. they weren't they, the formula. That was, But exactly. they were really good bands. Yeah. Yep. And, and you hear the music, like, God, these guys are good. These kids are good. And they're playing, they're playing real music. This is real music. It's not noise. Yeah. yeah. And because of the media won't push them. And they have their, their Facebook following and they do the self-advertising. Self-promoting the shows, the shows are packed, you know, yeah. they're sold out, and that's all they can do. That's like my biggest thing when I was younger. I mean, I, I mean, Bill, you're familiar. Like all my friends were in bands like Decap Attack, Sheeran, Tube Disasters. I mean, there were so kill many the good Kill the Evidence. You know, there were so many good local bands, and it was so fun to go see them because you could have made them a big band. And I would have been listening to them in the same regard because at the end of the day, I'm paying to see live music. I'm not paying so much for a person to see. Yeah. You know, like I'll go and see, like I saw Deep Purple with Judas Priest. I had an expectation. Deep Purple didn't, you know, live up to expectation, but I remember Judas Priest because they played really well. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm going for. I'm going to see live music of a band that I enjoy. And like you're saying too, like the underground scene, like that's what I miss in terms of like how I used to mobilize and go to shows because you're going to see some bands that, you know, you don't have to pay an arm and a leg for to go see just because they've marketed that way. You probably hear some music that you've never heard before. And because it's from an artist that's not recognized, most people will write them off. Yep. Unless you have a name that really sticks, unless you have like the media backing you constantly putting your name out there, making you think that this is good. Yeah. You're going to look at most local artists and just be like, Oh, and you know, it's funny too. (laughs) You got bands like Metallica and shit like that. And Megadeth, they're like, Oh, we're all self-made. Yeah. Yeah, maybe for like your first three albums. Yeah, and it's, that's why, again, <laughs> why a lot of people go back to the early work because you can hear the raw intensity of like oh, they yeah. were making music. Literally you know? up until Injustice for All. Yeah. Because Injustice for All was the last one that they did like without like a big name producer and a yeah. big name studio. It was the last one they did with like, you know, like real raw shit. Yeah. But anyways... What do you think? Do you feel like we're all just mindless sheep being herded into oblivion with, you know, images of Cardi B and Katy Perry and Greta Van Fleet? Yes. Or are you going to follow us and forge your own way? Yes. <laughs> Join us. Join us on our social media accounts. We you know, break the algorithm. Find us on Facebook. 
That's the hashtag. <laughs> break the algorithm? Yeah. Hashtag break the algorithm. Facebook.com slash R-A-T-M podcast. Instagram and Twitter at R-A-T-M podcast. Essentially, rage against the mainstream. Oh my God, it's all come full circle. Oh my God. <laughs> it only took us three seasons. Yeah, it only took us three seasons. But summing up the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, if you were in Cleveland, you should definitely go. Okay. If you're in Cleveland, though. Don't make a special trip out there. Unless there's an exhibit going on that you'd like to really like to see. Okay. okay. So, all right. Yeah. But, it's like going to the museum. Maybe if, maybe when we get inducted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll be on hospice probably by then. <laughs> and Not- make sure you bring extra money for the gift shop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your 35 ticket is actually like seventy five ninety nine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I got through that gift shop. 124 hours. What did I, what did I do? <laughs> I got a Hanes t-shirt with a print on it. Uh, I got a couple Could have bought key, this shit at fucking key, Walmart. Keychains. Three pack for 10. Keychains, refrigerator magnets, and a t-shirt. 124 hours. <laughs> I can picture you like your chest. My going to kill oh, me. I got heartburn. <laughs> no, uh, that's funny. That's cool though. That's great. So let's roll to our personal suggestions for this week. Michael Sinjar, guest. What do you have this week for our uh, listeners to check I, out? I got a. I'm going back to prog rock. All right. And we're, we were talking a little bit about concept albums. Um, Jethro Tull. Oh yes. One of my favorite all time bands. Even though they be, had to beat out Metallica that year for <laughs> for some god god knows what reason. But um, early seventies, Jethro Tull. They they did Aqualung. Uh, their their breakthrough album. Um, they were a blues rock band, and they started to turn a little more progressive. They came out Aqualung. All the critics, all the people, this is, it's a concept album. Aqualung, it's a concept album. And Ian Anderson's going, no, this isn't a concept album. It's just a couple of songs that we put together. And, you know, he goes, no, it's all about religion. It's really cool. It's a concept album. And he goes, I'll show you a concept album. So he came out with Thick as a Brick. Love Thick as a Brick. In 1972. It's about... It's two songs, right? It's just two sides. Yeah, two yeah, sides. Yeah. Two songs, two sides, it's, yeah. It's an, uh, he said it was a spoof. I love Thick as a Brick. A spoof on concept albums. <laughs> he did a concept album based on a poem by an eight-year-old kid that was made up. And it's really good to have him. <laughs> and um, that that was just my suggestion because it's a really... It is a concept album, but it's a spoof on concept albums. But it's really good music. I actually just got a first pressing of that when I went to uh, Jack's record shop. Yeah, I fucking got a first pressing of that for three ninety nine. Oh shit! It's the the fucking the sleeves in poor condition, but the the vinyl itself is great. That's awesome. I love that album. That's probably that's <laughs> probably my favorite Jethro album. Very good. Yeah, Tull has always been one of my favorites. Yeah, Ian Ian Anderson's a nut. Those, he's a those nut. live versions a of him he's with his flute solos are so good. He's a genius, but yeah. he's, he's crazy. The garb he wears, it's so good. <laughs> yeah. So good. What do you got, Steve? So you brought him up earlier. I'm going to recommend Red Fang, of course. Um, just because this is a band that I really think should have been way more popular than they were. Um, the album came out in 2011. It's called Murder the Mountains. The band is Red Fang. The song I'm going to recommend actually has a music video that I recommend watching as well. The song is called Hank is Dead. If you're a fan of Black Sabbath and Tad. What year is that album? 2011. Oh, okay. You should definitely check this we'll out. I'll actually this. show really them. Yeah, you'll enjoy this. If you're a fan of Sabbath and Tad, the best way I can explain it, you'll love this album. Yeah, you showed me. I'm, I'm a fan. Very good. My suggestion for this week, I'm taking it in a totally opposite direction. 50 Cent. Which album? <laughs> The Eight Mile soundtrack. Okay. Wankster. Okay. I heard Wankster. Actually, you should change back on that because I think that song's actually on Power of the Dollar, which is his first album. Well, it is. Get but Rich. there's but you're recommending the soundtrack. Yeah, I'm recommending okay. it off the soundtrack. All right. A really good rap album. It is compilation a good album. You know, it's probably one of the best movie soundtracks in oh, terms of yeah. like yeah. hip hop. Eight Mile is awesome. Yeah, very good soundtrack. Which actually rolls us into our group suggestion for this week is to check out the Eminem classic film Eight Mile. Mm-hmm. Yeah, starring I think, Eminem. I think a good time to recommend it. Like High Pfeiffer. Yes, sir. Um, what the hell's uh, Kim Basinger? Yes. Anyone else in there? Cheddar Bob. Cheddar. Yeah, but what's his name? Bob. <laughs> <laughs> He's an actor. He is. I, I'm not thinking of his name. Right I now. think he was in like an episode of House or something. I'm yeah, pretty yeah, sure. He's been in some things. <laughs> He's been in some stuff. Papa Doc. Oh, wait, dude. He's the fucking Falcon. Yeah. What the hell's his name? 
You gotta look up these actors if you're gonna go through this. Oh no, I'm not going through. I'm just thinking now. Okay. <laughs> oh my god, that's another twisted T meme. Where Cheddar, Cheddar Bob's holding the fucking twisted T. He's like, and they're like, Cheddar, put that fuck, put put it the fuck oh, down. He's no. like, but Papa Doc had one. Oh my god. <laughs> that's oh man. But that kind of wraps it up for this week. This is another episode of Rage Against Mainstream Podcast for the books. You can find us on our social media accounts, Instagram and Twitter at RATM Podcast, Facebook.com slash RATM Podcast, and our website, RATM Podcast.wixsite.com slash RATM Podcast. Until then, this is Rage Against Mainstream signing off. I'm Bill. I'm Steve. I'm Michael. Have a good night, guys. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Hashtag break the algorithm.